With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, welcome to the Cats by 90 podcast. Big Blue Drew here tonight. I have a special guest joining me. I'm Jack Pilgrim from Kentucky Sports Radio. We're going to get right into it. Um, appreciate you coming on, Jack, man. Thanks so much. So close to the season. Thank you. Man, I'm so excited. You know, we've, we've talked about, uh, you know, me coming on the show at some point, and I'm very excited that we could finally make this happen right before basketball season starts. Yeah, most likely what probably happened was I saw you like 100 years ago in passing, like, hey, man, before, you know, the next game, we'll just link up. And, you know, that was uh, ancient times ago. But kind of how this episode is going to work. So Aaron said he had some, some good insight around football, but he was tied up tonight with the Big Blue Insider. So he's going to actually throw his football insights into like a separate little segment and shoot them to me. And I'll try to get this out because as we were saying, it's going to be stale quickly because Kentucky opens their season. Oh my gosh. Like not just this season. I just feel like Kentucky basketball in general resumes play. Hopefully all goes well. So um, by this time tomorrow, we'll be having a basketball game completed. So that's exciting stuff. Uh, Moorhead State at home at Rupp Arena. So man, you already said it, I guess, Jack, but you know, covering basketball as much as you do for Kentucky Sports Radio, I have to imagine that that live action is going to really contribute to um, your blogs and things as opposed to making stuff up for the last 10 months. Man, I'm telling you, it kind of scared me a little bit with the Detroit Mercy news. Obviously, you know, it, you know, watching all these other teams drop like flies throughout college basketball, you know, it, obviously uh, that causes some concern, but – uh, you know, so far so good. It sounds like this this game is happening, and you know, I believe 24 hours from right now, we will know. You know, the the we'll have all of our hot takes ready to go. The first game of the season will be under our belt. Uh, man, I'm just. I mean, it's, it's just so exciting to finally be here and actually, you know, feel college basketball. You know, it's it's different to, you know, talk about it and you watch all the the, pras- the practice highlights and, and you know, you know, write about it as much as you you want, talk, talk to the players. But, man, when you finally get it and you get to see it with your own two eyes for the very first time, man, it's just – it's like, it's like uh, you know, this is like Christmas Eve for us. Especially with this team because it's always the case, but – so correct me if I'm wrong, though, Jack. So tomorrow, um, Keon Brooks is not going to play. Calipari mentioned that today in his press conference. But like, so that's zero percent of the returning scoring will be on the floor to open up the 2021 season. Not a single player that has ever scored a basket for the University of Kentucky will be playing tomorrow. So yeah, that is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a brand new season, trying to you know learn all these names. How about like? How about learning 100% of their names and learning their, you know, styles of play and what they each bring to the table? I mean, this is a 100% brand new crop of players. I mean, Dante Allen is obviously the one returnee, but but I mean, he didn't. He has yet to play a a, a legitimate you know, in a legitimate college basketball game. This is the first time we will get to see him on the floor. So, man, I mean, it's 
it's going to be, it's going to be crazy the, 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 you know, the, the fans that haven't been paying close attention and, you know, have to learn and see the players before they, you know, really start to develop a connection with them and all that, you know, we've been covering, you know, you and I, we've been traveling all these events, seeing these kids, you know, grow up and, you know, commit to Kentucky and finally get to this end point. But for a lot of these people, this is the first time they will ever see any of these players out on the floor for, you know, at, at any level. So I, I bet there's just a whole level, a whole new level of excitement for them as well. Yeah, good point with that. I was actually just kind of thinking about, you know, I'm sure a lot of people significant others, wives and things are kind of those casual fans where they like watching the game and stuff. But to your point, you know, until they're on the couch, oh, who's that? You know, who made that? Dunk? <laughs> you kind of fill them in, you know, like through this bluegrass showcase type thing would be your point. So like, oh, that's this person. And, you know, like every member of the Big Blue Nation, you know, they're bought in as, as time goes on. But um, you got us off to a good start, though, Jack. So that's where I wanted to start, obviously. So we're we're very lucky because you did. You mentioned we're under that 24-hour threshold. So barring some horrible turn of events, Kentucky is at least going to get one game under their belt very soon. So that's exciting. But what are your thoughts, man? Just having a couple of days to digest all this, it seemed like from a COVID standpoint, things just fell off a cliff for college basketball yesterday. So are you are you extremely concerned or do you think – you know, they're going to have plans to work around this and this is just the environment we're in or are you kind of like mass hysteria? I kind of look at this as I did with, uh, you know, the MLB, with with the NBA, with, you know, all these other sports that have been trying to find that formula for success. And, you know, the NBA got their formula for success immediately. They got lucky that, or I mean, I guess it's not luck. I mean, it's science. They, you know, you they enclosed a whole group of people for three, four months and didn't let anybody else in. I mean, scientifically, that's, that's how it's supposed to work. But, you know, we saw the NFL go through a, yeah, we're not doing any bubbles. Um, you know, we're kind of adjusting on the fly and they had a several breakouts to start with and things have kind of slowed down recently in the MLB. I mean, the MLB started off on a horrible note. Everybody, I mean, after that first week, everybody said, screw it, pack up. I mean, we got to, I mean, there's no way we can, we can go through with the season this way. And they ended up crowning a champion in that league as well. So, you know, you kind of go down the list and I am, you know, I tend to be on the more optimistic side of things on, on, on most fronts. I kind of, live a half you know, glass half full type type life so I, I look at it and go okay we saw these other sports we saw them have massive errors and issues to start with but the majority of them kind of found their footing they they found their groove and and you know kind of got through and and you know all the hurt hurdles and adversities and they were able to crown a champion or continuing to uh, have a successful season. And I'm hoping that this is the case that, that they're getting through the new testing protocols or getting through the new quarantine process and the difficulties that come with that. And I, I'm hoping that, that, yeah, we're going to have a rough start to start with, you know, trying to navigate through and, and, and create a successful season. But I think once everybody kind of understands, okay, here's what we have to do to have a successful season, you need to do, you know, X, Y, Z, A, B, C. These are, the, if you do this, this will result in a, in a successful basketball season. I'm hoping that after a, you know, a little bit of a trial run for these, these first few weeks that they kind of get, you know, get used to the system and, and are able to, you know, follow through with a successful season the way the majority of these other sports have done. Well, let me check your worry level on this one then. So Calipari today, I guess that was, was today or yesterday the media opportunity? Uh, it was Monday, uh, like Monday at noon, I believe. Okay. So I know, um, you know, Coach Cal was, you know, the, the sky is falling. He was talking about just how, how poor and ugly the Kentucky's last scrimmage was and was kind of just 
you know, talking a lot about them struggling to start. Are you buying that or is this just Cal talk? I will never in a million years buy what Calipari is selling. Um, <laughs> so here's my thing. This team showed up on campus, what, June 25th, I believe. It was very early summer. Uh, they arrived, and from that moment on, for the next two or three full months, Calipari used every single opportunity he did talking to the media, going on ESPN, talking on the radio shows, every single opportunity he had to talk to the media or you know, fans, whatever the case was, he said, this could be one of my best teams ever. This team is going to be so special. Uh, you know, I, there are like three or four elite teams that I've had in my time at Kentucky, and this team has the opportunity to be one of them. We have to play a season this year because they're so good. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, this, I mean we're, we're literally talking as, as, you know, as just like two weeks ago, I believe, he even said, we have yet to have a bad practice. This team just doesn't have bad practices. I mean, this dude mm -hmm. has spent the last – five months hyping up this team and how good they can be and how special they can be. And you're telling me two days before the basketball season starts, he's going to say that this team could start 0-6. Come on now. Like, I'm, you know, I, I – Well, he's talking to the players, right, isn't he, Jack? I mean, I'm, I'm sure they sure. probably could have, you know, had a, a poor practice to their standards. But, like, that's what I always kind of like when I'm just sitting in there, you know, and he's just like kind of that passive aggressive, like, you know who he's talking about, what he's not going to say – and kind of just, uh, you know, really putting it on them. Like, hey, you, you guys know what needs to happen. Um, and, and I guess in, in this instance, probably a little bit more so, you know, getting the guys fired up and ready to play and making sure that, that they don't think that they're, you know, one of his best teams. And usually that's not a problem, man. And, and I've heard him say that quite a few times this preseason too, that they're going to – this team will be good defensively because they're going to have to be. You know, they're going to get punched in their mouth against somebody and be like, oh, shit, you know, we – we're going to all five of us have to lock down for 40 minutes because every team's coming at, you know, with their best shot. So I'm sure there's a little truth into it, but definitely talking to the players. <laughs> yeah. And he, and, and I think the uh, Olivier Saar and Davion Mintz, they kind of answered to that. They, you know, some of the media members asked them about, oh, Hey, Calipari said that you guys suck. What's the deal with that? And, and he said, and then both of them kind of said, yeah, okay. Yeah. Our scrimmage wasn't very good. Um, you know, we kind of understand that Olivier Saar said the second team punched us in the mouth and we didn't really know how to respond. It was the first time that they kind of looked at us and just, you know, gave us a shot and we, we didn't even know how to respond back. Uh, so, you know, they kind of, they kind of chalked it up as a learning experience for them, but they were, they were, you know, totally honest. They said, we're sick and tired of playing each other. We've been playing each other all summer long. We've been running these same scrimmages over and over again. We know what each player brings to the table. We know how good, uh, you know, how good each player is. We know how, you know, the strengths and weaknesses. We, we know each opponent every single day because that's all we ever do. And, you know, they both kind of said, we're just, you know, we see on Wednesday we're, we're going up against another real-life opponent. And, yeah, he was like, yeah, we're looking ahead. We want to play. We, we, you know, we're kind of done with the one-on-one -on -one you know, blue white scrimmages. We, we are ready to take on a new opponent. So my gut is, you know, Calipari was trying to make them not overlook any opportunity, you know, on, on Calipari's end, he said something to the effect of that the, these last two scrimmage, the last several scrimmages actually uh, that they've done like one a week, I believe where they do a real life game day experience where they wake up, you know, uh, the normal time that they would, 
They go through the meal process, the prep process, ride the bus over to Rupp Arena, um, you know, get some shots up, participate in pregame warmups, and then go with a live 40-minute scrimmage with officials. Um, so, you know, on Calipari's end, he's like, you know, I'm working my butt off to create a, you know, we're not getting the Georgetown College, you know, exhibition games like we usually do. We don't get the official blue-white game in front of fans like we usually do. He's on, on his end, he's trying to set up the closest real-life game simulation he can on his end. But on the other side, the players are like, yeah, we get it. We, you know, yeah, we appreciate that. We know, you know, we, we know what it takes to, you know, go through a, a game day as a, as a Kentucky basketball player. We appreciate your efforts, but we just want to play somebody else. We're ready. We are ready for a college basketball season. So I understand both sides of this. Um, but you go back and you look at the Nerlens Noel year after he got injured. You look back at, you know, the beginning of that 2013-14 team with Julius Randle and the Harrison Twins and all those guys where they struggled so bad. You're telling me you go through the list of some of the, you know, the Scalabissier team, those type of uh, of teams, and you're telling me that they didn't have a scrimmage worse than what this team had this past weekend? I just don't buy it. I just, I just genuinely don't. I think it's um, – I think it's just an opportunity for him to kind of put a foot in, in his players' butts and, and hope that they turn it on on Wednesday when it counts. Let's keep rolling down these topics. We have Jack Pilgrim from Kentucky Sports Radio joining us, Cats by 90 podcast. Please make sure you're checking that out. Follow us on Twitter at Cats by 90. Um, so one thing, Jack, is I feel like uh, the Isaiah Jackson train's obviously been full steam ahead over the last few weeks. And then I think, again, all this preseason stuff, we've just been kind of creating these, I guess, expectations and fantasies and imagination. But now we've got to see some of it with our own eyes. You know, people like you and are kind of getting a little more access to see things, um, again, a real up close in person. So what about a breakout player for you? I mean, almost can't even say Isaiah Jackson anymore because he's been – you know, not a breakout compared to what people's expectations are, but who on the roster, maybe a guy or two that, that you could see um, surprising fans this season? Well, I mean, I think you got to look first at, I mean, outside of the obvious, Terrence Clark, BJ Boston are the two most obvious. Olivier Saar is the third most obvious. And then I guess, as you put it, Isaiah Jackson has kind of cemented himself as that, you know, number four guy in terms of star power. Everybody that has seen him in person has said, yes, Isaiah Jackson is the truth. So yeah, I completely agree. I don't think you can even put that, you know, the, you know, that level of uncertainty slash could he be the unexpected guy because it would be expected for him to go out there and be as successful as as the people that have seen him in in person are hyping him up to be I think you got to look at Davion Mintz I mean he's a dude that I you know when he when he there were rumors the week of that he was committing to Kentucky and the way that it was described to me was that you know I, I talked to somebody close to the coach the UK coaching staff that said this is a perfect fit for us. We're bringing him in. He's going to be the perfect complimentary piece for Devin Askew. Basically, as a, um, you know, Devin Askew is our guy. We want him to be the starter going into March Madness, you know, the, 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 the main starter. Um, you know, down the road, but maybe if we need we need him to, you know, ease into it a little bit, not throw him in with the Sharks immediately, you have a guy like Davion Mintz to come in and, and you know, start the show and let, you know, Devin kind of ease himself into it before taking off, you know, mid, mid-season or whatever, and then go, obviously going into postseason play. 
But by all accounts, this dude, Davion Mintz, he crushed his pro day. I mean, great vertical, great, you know, agility drills, uh, came in with solid measurements, led the team in, ben- you know, the bench press, uh, looked the part in every single, you know, the, the three-point shooting contest, uh, you know, the just the regular scrimmages that we've seen out of him. Every time we have seen Davion Mintz, you know, on, on the court or have, you know, seen his, his testing results and all that stuff, he has looked the part of a – of a starting point guard at Kentucky for the long haul as a dude that he, that if, if we needed him to start, uh, you know, for an NCAA tournament game or whatever, he would be capable of doing that. And I think that, you know, I, I believe uh, Olivier Sarr said that the starting lineup as of right now, he's been, you know, the, the team that has been running these scrimmages as the first team right now uh, is Devin Askew starting at the one BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, Isaiah Jackson with Keon Brooks out and Olivier Saar is the top five. So right now they kind of have Devin Askew penciled in as that starter. But I'm telling you, I mean, I don't know how much of a drop-off there will be with Davion Mintz because everything I've heard, everything I've seen, uh, you know, all the stuff I've, I've read up on, you know, seeing the measurements, seeing the the final testing results with the, with the you know, agility drills and all that stuff, it definitely looks like Davion Mintz looks the part of a, of a legitimate starting point guard at Kentucky. And – you know, whether, you know, whether they trust Devin Askew from day one or whatever, I feel confident in either of those options at, at this point, especially knowing that, that Davion Mintz is the real deal and, and uh, could start if, if need be. Oh, I'm with you, man. I think especially early, his importance, I've been saying since forever. I mean, when, like I said, you talk about this roster, I mean, having zero experience. And I think that him early, I, and I wouldn't be surprised too, because I know they've been kind of talking about that, um, that first team type thing beating the second team. But I, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Calipari throw a curveball tomorrow and somebody like kind of random gets plugged in to start the game. But who knows? I really don't even want to get into the starting lineups much. But my breakout player, man, and I'm excited to talk about this with you. I've mentioned it a few times on the Cats by 90 podcast. Um, again, we got Kentucky Sports Radio's Jack Pilgrim on. So I was excited to talk to you about this, Jack, because you'll get it a little bit. And the, the player that I heard when I was at, like, the high school basketball events, you know, the kids holding the cameras, they, like, make their living, yep. you know, doing that stuff. They know, they know who to go because the, gamers, the overtime right? The overtime slam kids, yep. Yeah, they know who's gamers, you know, because they got to, you know, get to these games and, and know who to see. And Lance Ware was a name that just continually came up to me from, like, coast to coast kind of. I was meeting people. Um, and, you know, not that, you know, he's going to be, like, kind of like how we're hearing about Isaiah Jackson with, like, physically intimidating or just get on campus and just blow you away when you see his game. But just that he's a gamer, man. Like I think, you know, he can do things to help his team. And um, this is kind of a unique feel for the game for his size and um, I guess skill set and where he's at in his development. So who knows? I hope that I think most people aren't really projecting him to contribute too much, but um, he was kind of my sleeper, I guess. Well, think of it this way. How many times did we did, has Calipari over the last, say, three years, how many times has he gone on, you know, on, up at the podium during his postgame press conference and said, we need somebody to fight. We need somebody to go after a rebound. We need somebody that's going to dive after loose balls. We need somebody that is going to do the dirty work for us because right now we have nobody to do that. And I think there's a little smoothness to his game, too. I really do. Like, I think he can be that kind of that workhorse. And at the same time, I think he has some – he has a little bit of finesse to his game that um, hopefully – because we know how that goes, too, man, with this team. 
is these first few games are going to be so important. This, especially, I don't know, or maybe less, I don't know, the way that COVID shaped. But typically, these first kind of like tune-up games, I guess now you had the Champions Classic. But within that first six games, man, so much of a freshman's confidence is just shape, form. And I really feel like, like kind of the rest of that year goes a lot with how they're able to come out and kind of show what they can do, especially like shooters and things. So these first six games will be really important because – there could be guys that, that we didn't think are going to be up there, and they might be in a – you know, this could be a tighter seven-man rotation than we think. But I think early, you know, everybody will get their chance, but just just no idea what to expect. Well, I mean, this team has 11 scholarship players that that I would personally trust to, to you know, play – have legitimate playing time on the court. I mean, from top to bottom, it's a long, athletic, skilled, you know, kind of workhorse team that, you know, that, you know, you, you go at the very top, you know, BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, all the way to the bottom, say Dante Allen, Jacob Toppin, all of those guys, you would feel confident, you know, Dante Allen goes to the, you know, goes to check in, you know, exactly what Dante Allen is going to bring to the table. You know, he's going to come in and there's a, a very solid chance that he's going to catch and shoot and he's going to you know get get at least one or two buckets for you he's going to knock down a three or two for you you know Jacob Toppin if he comes in he's going to give you energy he's going to get you an alley-oop he's going to get you a put back dunk he's going to get you a tough rebound you know you every single player on this roster has some unique characteristic about him that that you would trust to put in the game that that you know will be able to contribute. Lance Ware is another guy that you know he's going to come in. He's going to get you a tough rebound. I talked to you know his high school coach and his his AAU coach, and both of them said, "Look, if you're looking for a dude that's going to put up 20 points per game and you know be the big highlight guy and all that, he's like you you got the wrong dude. But if you want somebody that's going to come in and just play his role and do his job, Lance Ware is that dude. And and I mean those type of guys always play for Calipari. They always get the playing time over the, you know, to be totally honest, the Khalil Whitney's of the world, the EJ Montgomery's of the world, where you're kind of like trying to figure out what they do best and, you know, okay, how can we make this work on the floor? Those guys usually kind of fall back under on a Calipari team in favor of the Dominique Hawkins of the world, the guys that are going to come in and, and you know, at the bare minimum, they're going to give you effort. They're going to give you energy. They're going to give you toughness. Those type of guys are going to play. So, I mean, I mean, you just up and down this roster, there's so many different types of players um, that can really contribute. And I think that's what's so unique about this team. That's why I, I genuinely think they are a final four level team. I mean, there's just so much talent, so much, you know, versatility. And I mean, it's just a unique, but it's, it's just a unique bunch, man. Well, let's get serious, man. If, so those, those four guys of Dante Allen, Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware, and then even Cameron Fletcher, we haven't mentioned much. If those four guys are doing things like you mentioned to where they need to get minutes or they're earning minutes, they're contributing something. I mean, Heck, they're going to be pretty much in like a platoon situation from that standpoint if those guys are earning minutes. But I think the more likely scenarios out of those four, maybe one of them, emer- you know, kind of emerges to really get some consistent minutes and heavier contributions and then kind of sprinkle the other ones in. But who knows? I'm excited to see Dante Allen play. Obviously, um, Toppin has given us more than enough reasons to be excited to watch him play. So, um, let's get into Moorhead State, though, man. We kind of previewed them a little bit. Obviously, I mean, I don't know a ton about them. Maybe you do. I was kind of looking up some stuff. But um, I, I think it goes like anything with their home opener. Would you agree? It's just going to be more about, you know, how they play than anything else. But who knows how they're going to play in a relatively uh, empty arena. And actually, four players for Moorhead State, I saw, have experience playing 
Kentucky at Rupp Arena. So that'll be, you know, four more than, than have experience tomorrow. Yeah, and you never know with how young this group is. That's one thing Calipari has said over and over again. He's like, yeah, we're talented. Yeah, we're long. We're physical. We're, you know, going down his his list of, you know, checking boxes. But where are we getting that experience from? Where are we getting that, you know, veteran leadership from if they do get punched? I mean, we just saw on Sunday the starting group got punched in the mouth by the backups. And, you know, they didn't respond very well to it. What happens if Moorhead State, I mean, they're, they're probably craving college basketball just as much as this group is. They're wanting to come out and, you know, first time on, uh, you know, national television. They don't know how many games they have either with knowing just how uncertain this whole season is. They're looking to punch somebody in the mouth. Why not Kentucky? Why not? I mean, we saw what happened last year with the Evansvilles of the world. I mean, teams like Moorhead State like coming into – places like Rupp Arena and, and pulling off upsets or at the very least, I mean, at least showing some fight, showing some, you know, being willing to, sh- to, to throw that first punch. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think m- my biggest takeaway, the one thing I'm watching closely is if, if this team knows how to, you know, establish an early lead and not coast, you know, can they, can they establish an early lead? Can their talent and just pure skill overwhelm Moorhead state? And, and can they just say, yeah, we got this and, and, you know, coast to a 30 plus point victory. That would be really impressive to me. I mean, especially knowing that they haven't played anybody else yet where there's nobody coming back from last year's team that that has played a college a minute of college basketball at least at Kentucky I mean that you know that's going to be my biggest my biggest takeaway how do they respond to a a a hungry group that's looking for you know to kind of start the college basketball season off on on a big note so the Moorhead State Eagles um 0-10 lifetime against Kentucky they've never beaten Kentucky so can, um, the Cats, as we know, tomorrow, zero points from uh, the previous season will take the floor um, experience-wise. Moorhead State um, will actually have 35% of their scoring back, which was like 2,200 points. Um, so they'll have, you know, quite a bit of experience back, I guess, it, it, definitely in comparison to Kentucky. And like I said, four players have actually played at Rep Arena against Kentucky. Um, or, or maybe I'm looking at that, maybe also is um, that's also counting the Sweet 16. Either way, they've got some real live game experience doing that. So this is about to feel amazing, Jack. I didn't even think about doing this and it just hit me. But, man, we're on the eve of game night. So I can ask you, like, to kind of give me maybe a score prediction, an MVP. <laughs> man, that that there be sounds... a harder score prediction than this Kentucky team COVID year, Moorhead State in an empty rep arena? I don't What's think so. But I haven't even looked at anything. I looked 22, that up while you answered. 22. 22. It's 22. But if nothing else, it feels so good to be able to do, you know, to, to get predictions wrong. You know, like doesn't it just feel good? <laughs> doesn't it feel good to just to just be able to go, oh, man, I think tomorrow Kentucky's going to go out there and win by 50 and then be completely wrong or, you know, you know, I, I, I embrace what's going on right now. I mean, this this just I feel it feels so good. It just feels right to be able to, uh, you know, give off wrong predictions and and guess the, the completely wrong MVP. But I <laughs> am here for you, Drew, uh, man. <laughs> I'm going to go I'm going to go it's going to be low scoring. I think they're going to uh you know have some have some trouble with the Rupp Arena rims for the first time. They're going to have to knock those loose real quick with a couple bricks. Look like me out there. So I think I'm going to go Kentucky 70, Morehead State 49. Oh, well, okay. See, that's um okay, sorry. Go ahead with your MVP. My MVP, man. You know, I I, th- I think 
I, I think I got to go with Terrence Clark for game one MVP. I think he's going to be a guy that is, is you know, looking to physically dominate the, do, the, the, the opposition, you know, the competition. I, I think – he's going to be somebody that is going to look at, at the, the, you know, the opponent tomorrow and be like, I know he can't cover me. I know that I am stronger than he is. I'm faster than he is. I can jump higher than he is. I think he's going to have that killer instinct tomorrow and be like, I'm going to put 30 on your head. So I'm going with Terrence Clark as, a, as my game one MVP in a 70 to 49 victory. So that was going to be kind of – I was interested to kind of see how you answered. And obviously, this is just one game. But I haven't really thought too, too much into it, like holistically for the season. But just with knowing as little as we know about this team, I am very anxious to see. I mean, are, is this going to be a team that averages, you know, in the high 70s, low 80s? Or is it going to be, you know, we know their potential defensively. So are they going to be maybe, you know, where you kind of um, have their score predictions? Maybe they're like the low 60s. Have you thought about that at all? Are they going to – you know, I think the defensive potential is obvious, but are they going to have trouble putting the ball in the basket like long term? And that's kind of an interesting question because you look at that 2014-15 platoon team and you think, okay, historically great. That is one of the best college basketball teams we've ever seen with our two eyes. And they would win games like 59 to like 30, 50, like 62 to like 41. That That's how they would, they would not score a whole lot, but they just wouldn't allow any, any points. And, and you, I think Davion Mintz is the, the first media interview we ever did with him. He said something, something to the effect of uh, it, it's impossible to score on this team in the paint. It, they block so many layups. You can't score a layup. It's all floaters and, you know, step back threes and, and you, you know, you're trying to navigate around just the length in inside. And that's very similar to what we got out of that 2014, 15 team. But you also have the BJ Boston and Terrence Clarks of the world, you know, great shooters and Devin Askew and Davion Mintz. And, you know, you, they're, they're, it, it almost feels like it's going to be one of those high scoring teams, but it also feels like an, a team that could, you know, limit a lot of high scoring, you know, outings for the opposition. So I, I'd like to, pr- I, I probably lean more toward the allowing fewer points and being more defensive heavy mm-hmm. than, offensively gifted but I mean it does kind of you could kind of go either way I bet there's going to be some games where they just go out there and you know kind of like that De'Aaron Fox Malik Monk Bam Bam out of bio team where they beat teams 80 to 59 instead of you know 65 to 30 or whatever Uh, I'm going to dissect your MVP really quick and then I'll give mine uh, score prediction stuff we'll get out of here but I think that would be awesome if Terrence Clark was the MVP because I think he's going to be so important we're just everybody Jack keeps saying this but everybody is just like completely sharpied in BJ Boston as Kentucky's best player you know he's preseason first team all SEC so I just haven't I haven't heard it I guess mentioned at all in any form or fashion as if what does Kentucky do if he's really struggling? And I think that's, right. a, you know, a lot to ask. So I think that Batman-Robin thing between them would be really good. But And also, this is just super random, but I think I think this team, um, not that at some point maybe they all do, but it's just going to shoot more threes than maybe fans and stuff um, like at some point and, and, like, really learn to to kind of put that ball down and drive it. Um, I don't know why I say that. I just – just from watching all the skill work and stuff, I feel like everybody's yeah. put so much working on their shot, like – Isaiah Jackson's definitely going to pull up for some threes at some point, I think. <laughs> this team's just going to have to learn a lot, I guess is what I'm saying, how to play together. So I like that. I think that would be great, if, especially early in the year, Terrence Clark, um, kind of like you said, flexed his athleticism and 
was able to be a good scoring option in particular. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say hopefully – I think Kentucky comes out, gets in the low 80s. I'll say 83 to 69 um, will be mine. So I guess they um, wouldn't cover on that one. And then my MVP, I'm just going to say I think just coming out of it, I was going to say Mince, but I'll say Olivier Sarr just because, like, that experience element. And if things do get ugly, like you mentioned, with, with throwing up bricks in Rupp Arena, um, you think pounding the ball down to him will be, you know, double-double at least. So the eve of basketball, man, no matter what, that's going to be amazing. And you're right. I mean, less than – we're basically now exactly – probably exactly 24 hours from all of our hot takes formulated and ready to spew on social media near you. Yeah, I, I'm sure if things go extremely well and we win by 30-plus points, everybody's going to go on social media and say that this is the best team we've ever seen in Kentucky and they're going to go 40-0 and or I guess, what, 35-0, and whatever, 20 yeah, – I don't even – with the Detroit Mercy cancellation, or I don't even know how many games there are in a full season, but whatever it is, you know, the undefeated hot takes, I'm sure that those will be uh, quite present. And then on the flip side, if Kentucky just squeaks out a, you know, seven point victory and, and things are ugly and all that, I, I'm sure everybody will say, Oh, we're going to the NIT fire Calipari. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it will be hot take galore. Uh, but it's, it, you know, a world of hot takes is one I'm ready to live in because that means college basketball season is here. Yeah, I was laughing. I think it was on like the NBA um, Pro Day thing when I, it's TJ Walker put something on. A, oh, it's about UK's defense being so terrible, you know, just making a joke during Big Blue Madness. And um, I said, yeah, I think I literally saw Calipari just roll the balls out. Like, so they, they're going to be on him, dude. COVID protocols, whatever. I, I'm, in, I'm a little nervous about it being an ugly game. I just feel like my hopes are up at least. I just want it to be a nice, smooth, fluid college basketball game, which we know rarely comes to fruition um, with the, the way it's officiated. And um, refs, too, man, I haven't thought about that much. You talk about getting no, no work in. Man, has anybody mentioned that? That's, that's a, <laughs> refs have been doing nothing, right? <laughs> no AAU, no right. high school games. They, ha- they have had nothing. They've just, you know, they, they've, they've gotten their much-deserved time off. They are well-rested, so I don't want any excuses about, you know, fatigue or anything. <laughs> we better get their A game just as much as we get from the players. I don't know, man. I'm starting to think about that a little bit more now. That might be, you know, you might need to be as much or tuned up as, you know, the the athletes from a preparation standpoint, I would think, just to, you know, man, be on your P's and Q's with all that. So we'll we'll have to watch. It can't get any worse. That's for damn sure. So we don't have to to worry about that. But I mean, we saw, we saw, hold on, we saw TJ or uh, what was his, uh, Ted Valentine go on that that (laughs) Jeff Goodman podcast. I mean, uh, they, they have nothing better to do right now, but but uh, you know start officiating these games. So well, yeah, that's definitely something we got to keep a close eye on. For sure, man. Well, thanks for coming on, Jack. You know, I always appreciate you coming on. You're you're a true insider. I always enjoy that your your podcast, which everyone should check out, the Source of Say podcast, which is um you can find that with all the Kentucky sports radio stuff. Um, I always enjoy that because you're my source. I like listening to that. If you ever hear me with like some inside information, it's probably just me like talking to Jack or whatever. So we appreciate you, man. You're one of the good guys for sure. And um, we'll, we'll definitely catch up here after this first you know, round of games. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me and uh, look forward to coming back. Yes, sir.